Okay, so tonight we're going to, since the Shabbos is called the Shabbos of Song, we're going to discuss the power of music and what music uh, does to us and how we should better use this resource. And uh, I know everyone has a different taste in music, of course, but I want to just discuss a couple of things about the energy of music so that we'll have some tools to know what kind of music to use when. So first of all, let's discuss how old is music. The Midrash says that in history, there were nine songs the Jewish people sang to God or people sang to God. First song was sung actually by Adam. After Adam and Eve uh, were forgiven by God, then Adam sang a song to God. The second song was the song of Uz Yashir, the song the Jewish people sang after they crossed the Red Sea. Then while the Jewish people were in the desert, they also sang a song again, thank God for the miraculous well of Miriam that, 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 that God sent to them in the desert for 40 years. Then there was another song that they sang at the end of those 40 years, uh, when Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, Moshe Rabbeinu made another song, the fourth song. And then there was a fifth song, the song that Moshe Rabbeinu's student Joshua, Yoshua, he sang when he, in the famous war, when he asked the sun to stop singing and the sun stopped moving so that he could continue fighting the battle until, um, until it came time for the sun to move again. So he wanted the sun to stay in its position. So he, so he asked the angel, which the angel that pushes the sun around does so with a song. Every, um, every angel moves with song. The Rebbe actually once said that the angel of the sun is a very hyper, wild kind of angel. And that's why the sun moves at such a fast pace at a thousand miles an hour or more. So when you Joshua won the war against uh, in, in Givon and he uh, asked the angel to stop singing and thus for the sun to stop moving, that was the fifth song. The sixth and seventh song were sung by two famous tzadkanias, famous righteous women, Chana and Devorah. Uh, and then the eighth and ninth song were sung by King David and and Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon. And the 10th song, the one that completes all the song, is a song that we're going to sing when Mashiach will come. We're going to sing again a song to Hashem. That is the 10th song. The Rebbe never, as far as I know, never said what that song is, but he did say the content of that song is similar to the song, Nyet Nyet Nikavo. Nyet Nyet Nikavo Krom which means that there's no one higher than Hashem, nothing to fear because God is with us. That's the theme that we're going to sing when Mashiach will come. You got it, Rosie? You know which song we're going to sing when Mashiach will come? Well, the theme at least, right? So that's what, that's, that's, that's the history of music. It starts from the day that God forgave Adam for the sin, and it continues forever to the time of the coming Mashiach. So the question is, what, power does music have on us? What is its impact? 
What is music and how should I use music? So if you were to look at the various lyrics you listen to, various songs, whatever your taste of music is, whether it's jazz or it's rap or it's hard rock or it's heavy metal, consider this. Do you really agree with the lyrics that you, that you sing? And if you don't agree with the lyrics that you sing, is that a problem? Is it okay to like the beat of something and the tune of something and not agree with the lyrics? It seems that, that you're just listening innocently to a song. And a lot of us, at the end of a hard day, and you want to you know, let out some, some energy, so you listen to music. But are you letting out energy or are you letting in energy? Sometimes when you allow lyrics and music to enter your system, you're making an impact on yourself that will direct you. And if you're going to choose a certain singer to give that to you, the question is, do you really want to go where that singer wants to bring you? Because music has a soul. In the famous debate where the Alter Rebbe was challenged for his introduction of Hasidus, and people were questioning whether it was true or it's not true. Is it, is it faithful to Jewish heritage? Is it not faithful to Jewish heritage? So in that famous debate, the Alter Rebbe, instead of answering everyone's questions against him, against all of his attractors, instead of answering their questions, and I think it was in the city of Minsk, he began a teaching and then a song. His teaching was like this. The teaching was from a Mishnah. It says in the Mishnah, you know what that means? That means on Shabbos, According to one opinion, you're allowed to leave, lead an animal by a leash. Although on Shabbos, you're not allowed to carry outside, but the animal's leash, according to one opinion, is allowed to be led outside. It's not considered carrying, according to one opinion. Halach is different, as discussed another time, but the word for leash or for collar is shear. Shear also means song. So the Alter Rebbe said, all the souls and the angels in heaven, they always ascend with a song, they always descend with a song. The song is what brings them movement. And although we're living in this earth, but song brings us to a different place. It, it, bring, it can bring us to a very high place. It can bring us to a transcendent place, or it can bring us down, depending on what we're listening to. So if you don't believe in the lyrics that you're singing, what effect will it have on you? Well, think about saying the Shema. God commands every single day to say Shema. Rose, you say Shema every single day? You say Shema every day, right? You said Shema today too? You don't remember. Okay, we'll say it again before we go to sleep. So what impact does it have? The Torah tells us to say the Shema every day just by reciting the Shema, even though you don't know what it means. There's some kind of osmosis impact on the soul just by reciting the words of the Shema. Saying the Shema does something. This, of course, there is a transcendent and subconscious effect of saying Shema because your soul resonates with a mitzvah. And of course, saying the Shema has another effect because since it is a godly commandment, it has an impact on the world. But besides that, there's also a psychological conscious impact of saying the words of the Shema. Think about the words, I think I can. You know that story, Rosie, the little engine that could? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. What happens when you say the words, I think I can? You know what happens when you say the words, I think I can? You start thinking, I can. You start thinking, I can, I can, I can. The little engine is going up that, uh, up that hill. He started singing, I think I can. And that gave him the strength to go up that hill. So okay. really, by just by saying, I think I can. Imagine if it's a, uh, you're, you're, you're meeting with your teammates by the Super Bowl. And it's the last few seconds of the game. And you're down by six. 
and you have a little huddle before the end of the game and you want to talk to your teammates, you want to pump them up, what words will you choose? How would you say those words? It could be you'll say the same words, but have a different tune and you won't have the same impact. Rabbi Heller was Gesundar, head of the Kolo in Karn Heights, where he studied from, he used to tell us that a, a father could tell a child the right words, but the wrong tune. And it's the wrong tune that could, God forbid, really adversely affect someone. So, so the words we say, the tune that we say them with, have a very strong effect on us. So when you listen to music, you're giving another person the power to choose your narrative of what's going on. Do you want to actually give the person <laughs> whose music you're listening to that power? Or do you want to give yourself that power? Do you want to have that power? So it may be easy to just choose something which sounds good to your ears and just like, you know, relax, but you're actually inviting impact on yourself and you may not want to have the impact of the person you're listening to. Think about these words. Let's eat grandma or... Let's eat grandma. They're the same words, but they have two absolutely different meanings. Let's eat grandma means, grandma, I like to eat now. Can we eat? Let's eat grandma means that you want to eat up your grandmother, which probably is not a good idea, right? Would you want to eat up your grandmother? It's very silly, right? But the words and the way you say those words have completely different connotations. You may tell your child the right words. The words that, you know, you would get commended for by a top educator, those are the right words to tell your child at this time. But the tune you could, the tune could, um, could, totally, could, could totally not give the energy that you want to give with the same words. Think about these words. With woman, a woman without her man is nothing. What does that mean? A woman without her man is nothing. That means... That a woman without her man, she doesn't have her husband, she can't do anything. She needs her husband to do anything. Or you can read the same words, woman without her man is nothing. A man can't do anything without his wife. It's exactly the same words. Woman. Are you a woman, Rosie? A woman without her man is nothing. The, 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 the exact same words are the completely opposite connotation. Here's an example of, look at this scene. The same exact scene, but the different music Makes creates a different narrative in your mind. Listen to this. <laughs> Sounds like he's running away from someone, right? Someone's in hot pursuit. That's dangerous. Might get caught. Same, different music, same thing. Sounds a little bit more emotional to me. Sounds a little bit like he's, like he, he, he's upset about something. He's running away, just like wild abandon, just like he wants to get something off of his, off of his mind. Then it's bothering him. He's expressing. <laughs> to me, it sounds like he wants to. He just stole something. And nothing can stop me, man. I stole something, or. I, I could win the world. Nothing could stop me. Chaos. Three different ones. Chaos. Chaos. Seems more like a happy-go-lucky kind of thing to me. My ears. Fish one.
Someone's gonna catch me in a second. Or I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get somebody. I'm gonna attack someone. I'm not sure. Everyone hears things differently. Same music, but but affects us differently. So did music ever make you feel calm or uptight? So kind of you're in a mute mood and you listen to music and it made you feel differently. Music does that. Music has that power. So when you listen to music, right, you have a certain, to a lecture or a course given by this artist. You, the, the question is, Rosie, if you, if you have someone, you really like their music, you really like the sound that they make, but you don't like their lifestyle. So would you decide to go to a lecture given by the same artist that is, is feeding you information through his music? You may not realize it, but you are learning something from the artist you're listening to. I'm sorry for being so boring, Rosie, but there are sometimes very, very powerful music that puts you in a certain mood, but you don't realize necessarily what is going into your system. Rosie, hold on a second, Rosie, one second. I'll give you a friend of mine was his mother was in an audience. Rosie, one second, one second, Rosie, you're being too silly. One second. A friend of mine was in an audience with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe told my friend's mother that music has an effect on you because when a person creates a song, they put their energy into that song. In other words, if someone makes a song because they want to inspire people, you could you, that song itself, if you want to go along with that song and, and let yourself go with that song. That song will bring to a place of inspiration. But that's why music is called the pen of the soul. On the other hand, but the Rose knows how to read. She's showing off. She's great. On the other hand, music created by someone who has not such great intent, not such great positive vibes, not such, not such soul, but just has a different intent. Some, let's say self-aggrandizement. Let's say he has some kind of negative energy letting out go with his music. So that, my, the Rebbe told my friend's mother, yeah. then person's music naturally will bring you to that place. Good Only a tzaddik, the Rebbe said it. Only a tzaddik has the power to take a song which has negative energy and to transform it. Rosa, want to show me what you say, Shema? Only a tzaddik can really transform a song which has negative energy. Otherwise, listening to a song which is created with negative energy, it's going to affect you. So there is a very famous song that the Rebbe actually uh, transformed called Shamil's Nigin. Shamil's Nigin is a song that, on the one hand, was created by someone, Rosie, I think it's time for your bedtime, you're being so silly. Wanna go to sleep ready? Oh, watch the wire, watch the wire. Wanna continue? Okay, we gotta be quiet, I wanna continue. So there was a, a the Rebbe taught 10 songs. One of the songs the Rebbe taught was a Nigin called Shamil. Shamil was about this bandit who lived on a mountaintop. And nobody could, nobody could catch him. And the police wanted to make, wanted to catch him. So they told Shamil that we re- we're just going to talk and discuss because we realize we can't catch you, you disband it. Can we just have a discussion, we'll make some kind of agreement of what kind of, what kind of rights you'll have? And Shamil came down to meet them. And guess what they did to him? They caught him and they imprisoned him. And so while he was in prison, he composed a song. And the song has three parts. The first part of the song is about how he was on the mountaintop. The second part of the song is how he is in prison. It's very down in the prison. And the third part of the song is how he feels with his song that he will once again be free. That's the three parts of the song. In a similar way, the soul in heaven feels 
delight and pleasure in God. Then the soul comes to this world and it sings a different song. It's a song of yearning. In fact, all the first nine songs of history, you could say, are all about the yearning, leaving the bad, leaving the evil. You read very well. All the first songs in history, you could say that they have that, that energy. They, they're about, they're about, the, uh, they're about departing from what's negative. But then there is a different kind of song. Oops. A different kind of song where you're not thinking about, about leaving the negative. You're singing a song of enjoyment, of pleasure, because you're there. That's a song we'll sing when Mashiach will come. And the truth is, even before Mashiach comes, the Shalah says something very fascinating about the ten songs. Rosie, you want to be silly? The Shalah says that when the Talmud describes the tenth song, the Talmud says that the tenth song will be sung when, in the future. The 10th song will be sung in the future, says the Shalah. And the way the Talmud phrases it sounds like that the 10th song will be sung when the future is about to come. That's what the Shalah says. What that, that means is even before Mashiach comes, when the Jewish people hear that Mashiach is coming, when they realize that their Mashiach is about to come, they'll sing a song in preparation for the coming of Mashiach. So the 10th song is not only the song that we will sing once Mashiach has come, the tenth song is also a song that we're going to sing now when we when we sense and we realize and we feel the truth of what all the signs of the Torah are pointing to. All the signs of the Torah point to our generation being the generation of Geula. So therefore, the Rebbe said, and not just should we sing a song like the first nine songs, songs of yearning, we should already sing a song of happiness. There, 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 is a, there is a certain kind of singing the blues kind of thing which we should experience. We ask Hashem, we want Mashiach to come, we want the exile to end. That, that that should that should be. We should we should we should be yearning. Hey Rosie, do you have a tambourine? Do you have a tambourine? You do have a tambourine. Go bring your tambourine. I want to show me your tambourine. But watch out for the wire. Where, why do why do I ask her for a tambourine? Because this week's Torah portion, after all the men sang a song, it says that Miriam led the women to sing a song with tambourines, and the Talmud says how they have tambourines. It's like you no, know, like it, it, it came out of nowhere. Where, where they? Why would they have tambourines? And the answer is. Miriam told the Jewish people, not just Miriam, but all the righteous women in Egypt, they already were so certain in Egypt, before anything happened, that God would take them out of Egypt, and they already made tambourines in Egypt to prepare for the coming of Mashiach. They already had instruments ready to sing their song because they knew it was going to happen. That's what the Shalom is saying. The Shalom is saying the tenth song will be sung when Mashiach will come. It will be sung in the future. Says the Shalom, it's a song we're going to sing about the future. He, the Shalom is talking about us now in our time when the Torah says that this is a, this is a time of Geula. And as the Rebbe said, that it's not just a, a, a something that could happen, it might happen, but that's a prophecy. The Sheikh is actually going to come. And therefore, the Rebbe said we, that just like, thank you, Rosie Miro, this is her tambourine. Show him how you play your tambourine. Show him how you do, how you do it. Just like when we left Egypt. Show them, you can't see it. Show them the camera. Thank you. One second. Just like when we left Egypt, it says, you know who, who, who had this merit that made us leave Egypt? You know who, who, who was special schus it was we left Egypt? Was it the men? It was the women. You know why it was the women? You know what the women did special that made them, that, made, that it made Hashem wanted to bring us out of Mitzrayim? You know what it was? Because they believed in Hashem and they made the tambourines even before they left Mitzrayim. And so too, 
In our time, it says that Rizal says that the generation of Mashiach, our generation, is an incarnation of the generation that left Egypt. Our generation is a reincarnation of the generation that left Egypt. And just like when we left Egypt, it was in the merit of the righteous women that we left Egypt. It was their faith in Hashem that caused us to leave Egypt. So too, it is the merit of faith in general, our belief in the coming of Mashiach that will bring the coming of Mashiach. And especially, not just our belief, but actually, as Rosie did, she actually made a tambourine. As Rebbe said, that women should do that. Is she made a tambourine? Who tambourine is this? Chayla. Whatever. You should make one too to prepare for the coming of Mashiach. We're going to make tambourines to show to show Hashem that we're so certain that the Goel is going to come. The kitchen one, excellent. So to show Hashem that we're so certain the Mashiach is going to come, we should already prepare the instruments now to get ready. And that's chuz, that um, merit, that you're so certain the Mashiach is going to come. And you're already singing a song now of Geula, sing a song now of the coming Mashiach. That happiness, a different kind of song. It's not a song of yearning. It's a tense song. It's a different kind of song. It's a song of already, we were there already. We got it already. It's kind of like in the Nignam Shamil, the third stanza. The third stanza where not just there's a yearning that we're going to get back there, but we're there already. A yearning of, a song of satisfaction, a song of happiness, a song of pleasure. So may Hashem help us that in this day of Tuvishvat, this day of tremendous simcha for the trees, it shouldn't just be a day of simcha for the trees. for the trees. It says that a person's like a tree, and just like when a tree is very small, it's like a seed. So too, when and the slightest change in the seed could affect the whole way the tree will grow. So too, the slightest change in a child affects the whole way the child will grow and the children that they'll have. And that's why it's so important to talk to children even before they're born. It says that when the Jewish people crossed the sea, it says that not only did the men, women, and children sing the song to Hashem. You know who all sang song to Hashem when they crossed the sea? The babies in their mother's stomach sang to Hashem. Did you know that? Babies in their mother's stomach also sang the song when they crossed the sea. So, so too, as we're praying for the coming of Mashiach, education begins not just from day one of a child's birth, but even before. And we have to prepare for the coming of Mashiach with happiness and song and trust. And we're going to see it. We're going to have. It's going to happen. Anyways, thank you all for joining. They clap. They like that one. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Menachem Mendel. Agudanach na'afeilchen tu b'shvat. Mashiach now. We should sing the song tonight. Let's sing already before Mashiach comes. And we'll get ready for the Geula right now. Yet, yet, nikavo.